Hey there, out there. You're listening to another deeply tuned episode of the Real People Podcast. I am once again your host, Andrew Ginsberg. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a new listener to the show, I know why you're here. Welcome, because you're stoked about my guest today. And I do have a fabulous guest, Dustin Cole Hayes from the band Walter Etc. is on the show, and they have a new album coming out this week called There There that's going to be on Spotify and wherever you get music, and I got the first interview with Dustin, and we dove deep into the catalog of Walter Mitty, Walter Etc., into his songwriting process, into the new album, into the evolution of the band over the years. I am so stoked to talk to Dustin because, honestly, they're one of my favorite bands. Dustin's one of my heroes, and I was, uh, I was probably just as stoked as you are to listen to this interview to conduct it. So I'm excited to bring on Dustin. I have one quick promotional announcement. If you have nothing to do on the first and third Wednesday of every month, come out to the Village Idiot Comedy Show. It takes a village to raise an idiot. Hosted by me, Andrew Ginsberg, and my partner, Isaac Gartenberg. Every other Wednesday, we bring you the hottest comics in New York City. This week, May 5th, we've got El Orlando, Daniel Janine, Zuri Durham, Oscar Iden, Daniel Simonson, Ryan Long, and of course, Todd Barry. You know him. You know Todd Barry. 7.15 p.m. at the Juke Bar, 196 2nd Avenue, New York, New York. Come out and laugh and relax and enjoy your life. All right. Okay. Everybody's doing all right? Are you feeling frisky? You feeling springy? Time for summer. Yeah. Bald guy summer. I'm so stoked. Got my Vax. I have a conspiracy theory about the Vax real quick because I took it at the Javits Center. You know how nobody really knows what's in the Pfizer vaccine? It's hard to tell. I think it's just an airplane bottle shot of tequila. What makes me say that? Well, it was yellow. It had to be served cold. As soon as I was injected with it, I had a hangover. And right before the nurse gave it to me, she said, Dastrovia, which was confusing. No, I'm kidding. But she did hold up a tray of limes. Okay, let's get this thing off the ground. My guest today on the Real People podcast is Dustin Cole Hayes from the band Walter Etc. You might know them formerly as Walter Mitty and his makeshift orchestra. They're one of my personal favorite bands. Um, I absolutely love their music. I, like I mentioned earlier, I have all of their albums on vinyl. I know the lyrics to all of their songs. I cover Dustin's songs in my room. I want to be just like him. Um, and they got me through some pretty weird times, you know, because I, the way I found out about this band was I moved to San Francisco in like 2014. And I didn't know a single person. I didn't have any friends. And I was feeling homesick. And I was feeling weird. And I made friends with a, um, a woman at work named Catherine Huffman, who everybody called Chuff. And we became good friends. Chuff's a really funny, creative, interesting, cool person. Positive energy, just somebody you want to have around you. And she introduced me to this band. She said, my friend Dustin's in this band called Walter, etc. I think you would love them because you love the Gaslight Anthem and Bruce Springsteen. And they're kind of cut from the same cloth. And I checked them out in earnest. You know, I just listened to um, one of their albums one day. I think it was Well Soon. And I just fell in love with the music. I truly became a fan. I have all of their albums, like I mentioned earlier. I know the lyrics to all of their songs. I cover Dustin's songs in my room. Um, I'm, just a, I'm just a huge fan. I'd put them in my like top five or ten favorite bands. So in 2015, at some point... Chuff hit me up and was like, hey, you want to go see Walter, etc. tonight? They're playing a house party in San Jose. This was like, you know, like I said, 2015, so six or seven years ago. And I was like, yeah, absolutely, I want to do that. At, at the time, I was super homesick, and I was like 26 or 27, so I missed – I was still going to parties. You know, my friends hadn't uh, 
all got married and had kids and got mortgages. Everybody was still partying back then. So I was like, yeah, I miss going to house parties. I, 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 I miss live music. I miss all this stuff. And she took me to this dope party in San Jose. Walter was there. You know, hundreds of people in a living room. They're going nuts. Punk rock. Everybody's singing along. It's loud. It's crazy. It was like, I remember it as the single most fun night I had while living in San Francisco. It was the best night I had there. And I'll always remember that because I got to see like my favorite band in a house party setting. And I was just, I was just amazed and floored by, the, by what these guys do, you know? And afterward, I got to talk to Dustin, who's the driving creative force who you're going to hear from in just a second, outside on the patio. And we touched on this in the interview a little bit. He, he vaguely remembered it. And uh, it was just a big moment for me. I got to talk to the band. Um, I remember left leaving there being like, man, these guys are the coolest guys in the world. I want to be just like them. And over the years, they've continued to release truly incredible music. All of their releases over the last several years, Gloom Cruise, Chaparral, um, they've all been incredible to me. But this latest album is really something else. I mean, it is truly an evolution of the music. It's, it's sophisticated. It shows growth. It shows how they've aged. It shows how Dustin's changed. I love it. Of course, I got to hear it <laughs> before it came out, know what I'm saying, because I did this interview, and it's, it's really, really deep. And we talked a bit about the creative writing process that went into creating this album. So anyway, I could go on all day about how much I love this band. Shout out to Catherine Huffman Chuff for getting me into them in the first place. And thanks so much to, du to Dustin for doing the interview. Without further ado, Dustin Colhays from the band Walter, etc. I've interviewed a lot of people on this show and some people that I greatly, greatly admire. But I got to tell you, I, I won't be like a fangirl about this, but you're the first person I've had on the show where I'm like truly a fan of the music. I, kn I know I have all of your albums in, in, in vinyl format. I have them all. Wow. Them. Well, I hope, I hope <laughs> the people that you've interviewed before didn't hear you just say that. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, like I said, I still admire those other people, but I... I wouldn't call myself like a legitimate fan. Uh, whereas with you, I'm uh, I'm a legitimate fan. I know you know I I know the lyrics, to all your songs. I uh, I follow you guys pretty religiously, and um, even had the opportunity to see you once in 2015. So uh, dig it, man. I'm stoked. I'm stoked that you're on the show and talking to us. Dang, well, I'm honored. Thank you. I just wanted to dive right in, man. You have a new album dropping, and I want to talk about that too. It's called There There. But I I wanted to go back to like. What first struck me about the band, about, I guess, you are the band, right? Like you're Walter, and you have interchanging members, just to clarify that. <laughs> um, yeah, the members are, are um, more, more permanent than totally interchanging, you know, but at the end of the day, yeah. um, I'm the band. <laughs> you probably get this question all the time, and I promised myself that this wasn't going to be what the show was about, but you were initially Walter Mitty and his makeshift orchestra, and then for, I suppose, legal reasons, you had to change the name. Um, um, we joke about legal reasons. <laughs> that's actually kind of a blurry area. We're not sure if we ever were actually breaching something by using that name, but, um, <laughs> but to cool. clear the air, yeah, the name Walter Mitty is a character in a book, which was obscure at the time that I named, uh, my alias after it back when I was like gotcha. 17. But then the, the, uh, Ben Stiller movie came out in what, like 2013, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which was a movie based on that book. And then since then, it was kind of like, uh, I don't know if we're even allowed to use this name slash uh, we don't really want to be associated with this movie slash we kind of just <laughs> want to bust the door wide open and not only play acoustic kazoo tambourine music. So that's gotcha. kind of like all of those mixed together made us be like, well, let's just evolve to Walter, et cetera. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that that was a great move because the Etcetera makes it super open-ended, and I think that your albums have kind of evolved in sound since you made that switch. Like they've they've all been so drastically different. Um, but taking it back, all right. The very first thing I ever heard about you was a friend of mine named named Chuff Catherine Huffman said you would really like my friend's band. You should uh, you should check them out. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll check them out. And I put on one hundred one and one hundred one North. And uh, I, which I know is way back for you, right? That must have been like 2011. Maybe that's I it, probably even your first album, right? That's on um, Puddles of Alligators. Um, close, but it's on oh. Overwhelmed and Underdressed. Oh, overwhelmed and Underdressed. And even though yes. it was a bit, a bit of time ago, it's still close to the heart. So you're totally okay. <laughs> yeah, man. When, when I put it on and heard, um, you know, the first thing I heard was I drove all the way home listening to the Gaslight Anthem. You know what I mean? It, it, it. It kind of came together for me because that's that's what how I always perceived like listening to certain types of music like when I'm listening to Gaslight Anthem or Bruce Springsteen it's, it kind of hits at that like ah like like fuck like like my life sucks but there's something beautiful about it and you really struck those chords in a similar way and you were a dude in California I had never heard that sound translated to a different coast to me like I felt like you were in the same in the same pocket as those guys wow and uh, I was kind of floored by that you know what I mean just just by the first line um, I have a question for you about this but the last thing I just want to say about it is like I've always felt like your music in general is like it takes like it's like life can be kind of shitty and like relationships are kind of shitty, but it, it takes the best parts of that and kind of celebrates them. Like the stuff that feels good about shitty stuff. Dang. I love that. Well <laughs> said. Well said. Yeah. Do you feel that that's on the mark? I mean, is that like, even when you first started writing that album, uh, is that what you were kind of trying to express? Like what were you going for back then at that time? Well, <laughs> um, in all honesty, it's hard for me to really say what I was deliberately ever going for, you know? Um, yeah. Because, uh, a lot of the times there's not really an intention. It's just kind of what comes out, you know? So I actually mm-hmm. might not be the best person to speak about it, but de- <laughs> yeah. definitely you're right. In retrospect, when I look back at just my songs or my style, quote unquote, in general, it's definitely mm-hmm. like kind of like happy sounding with darker lyrics oftentimes. And I yeah. I think you're right in that it's kind of a um, either like a, a celebration of the highs and lows of life, or maybe it's like a, um, I don't know, kind of seeing the silver lining in things. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I don't think I'm the one no, to speak no, I, about I, it. I, that's that. That's exactly. I mean, that's what I think as an audience. Like you know, as a, as an audience perception, it's like it's exactly that. Like even in that same song, when you're like, you know, I'm, uh, you know, under golden arches, car parked, blurry eyed, McGriddle in hand. Um, you know, we've all, I've just had so many moments like that, especially when I was younger. I think we're kind of the same age in 2011, you know, after a crazy night or something, or like a fight with a chick or just like one of those nights where like everything kind of happened and then you're driving home, just kind of reflecting on things and like, yeah, it was up and down, but overall it's like, man, that was fun. And that's like kind of the sentiment I always just kind of took away from it. You know? And I love that. I love that. <laughs> it seems like over time you've lost the, the signature kazoo. I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just like that. That was, was that in the beginning what you were intending to just be like an acoustic band doing the kazoo thing? Um, and, uh, and did you ever like, it didn't seem like you started structured around like becoming like a, a, a true like rock band in that way, you know? Right. Well, actually fun fact is I intended that very, our very first album is called Every Town Needs a Cowboy, which is a very classic Walter Mitty sound with like the acoustic guitar, tambourine, kazoo kind of thing. Uh, I intended yeah. to have a regular acoustic drum set on that, 
And my neighbor, Jake, who has played in the band forever, at the time we lived on the same street and um, he had a drum set and I went up to his house to see if I could borrow the drum set to put tracks on the song called Punk With An X. Um, And that was going to be like the first song on the album, put the drums on. And his mom had just like given the drum set to the Goodwill or sold it or something. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm just going to shake a tambourine. (laughs) And literally from there, I just, for the next whatever, four, five albums, it was just a tambourine instead of drums. So yeah, (laughs) it wasn't intentionally like that, but that's because the drum set got sold off. That's how it happened. Your sound is really, really specific. Like I can't think of anybody that exactly sounds like you. You know what I mean, and uh, and I had always wondered what where that came from, sort of the kazoo, and it sounds like you play the, um, you know, like you said, the tambourine. There's a djembe sometimes. It sounds like or a box drum right. type of thing, uh, and yeah, it's just, just, it's like just tons very of hand percussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, the kazoo. It's the like kazoo was more intentional. Hanging. Yeah, totally. Okay. <laughs> yeah, were, you, kazoo... were you like, would you grow up? Were you an extra k- kazooist or something? <laughs> no, I just always, honestly, I always thought it kind of reminded me of Louis Armstrong's singing vocals. And I just like love the raspy, soulful sound that a kazoo made. Yeah. And to me, it didn't. It still doesn't really sound like childish and juvenile, like its connotation is. It's it. Uh, it yeah. sounds like this badass, like distortion pedal for your voice. You know. I, yeah. And I so I think it's <laughs> the coolest sound. And it dropped away just because it didn't really. Uh, you know, it doesn't really fit into some of those more indie electric rock band songs that we had. So. There was, yeah. we went like two albums, three albums without the kazoo, but uh, we brought it back for a track on this next album because it, it totally fit the bill for where it is, you know? You guys have been at it for a while now, man. It's, it's like been over a decade and that's kind of nice that you can tie. It seems like on this latest album too, I had the pleasure of listening to it over the last couple of days and that you've tied together a lot of your different influences over the years. Cause I do, I do think that like your albums, I'm surprised sometimes at how different they are in a good way. Like everyone has been pretty different at least over the last few years and you've put out a lot of music over the last couple of years um but this one i felt like was like a really good blending of like all the different influences like it seemed like all of your eras kind of coming together to formulate this really really thoughtful and fleshed out album wow. um and i thought that that was presented really nicely and really obvious to me you know what i mean yeah well thank you that's <laughs> a, a great compliment and uh probably the first review i've heard of the album so <laughs> thank you <laughs> just some stuff that stuck out to me um i thought uh like what what is it um and again i just got i just got the album so bear with me as i remember uh little white lighters oh yeah um that that to me was kind of a standout track uh, i mean like i said i'm gonna listen to it seven thousand more times but uh upon the first couple of listens little white lighters man you just again like i continue to say you have such a good way of creating like a landscape around a concept like I, I and I, I emailed you this last night. Like when I was listening to it, I felt like I was looking through a junk drunk a junk drawer on a rainy Sunday afternoon with nothing really to do, and I just kind of felt it. And uh, that's like your your music always puts me in a place that I can almost like touch on, like a photo. You know what I mean? Dang, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm just so stoked you say that because I can't say how, that I tried to do that specifically, but the fact that yeah. that is the effect that comes out is. I'm just lucky, I guess. That's awesome. I'm glad you like that song yeah. too. I like that song too. Love it, but and that's just a personal thing. But I think, uh, our, again, I won't make this all about me. But artistically, also one of my favorite ones in the track is you in this in the, in the album is you in this lighting. Um, and I wanted to ask you while we're on the subject, and for those listening that haven't heard the album yet, I would, uh, I would wonder if if people feel the same way as they're listening, like. 
this was a kind of a different creative direction for you on that song, I felt like, because it was a bit more like, it was almost like you were like playing like a Paul McCartney song, but there's like an Elliot Smith influence in there. Like there's a, there's a, uh, like, it's like, it's like poppy and it's like a well-crafted song, but then there's this, there's this, that charmingness of Paul McCartney, but then there's this like dark, interesting path that happens with the guitar that I think is the Elliott Smith part. Is that on the mark? Um, <laughs> what I was mean, going on when you wrote that song? <laughs> gosh, I can't, I can't actually say that I was thinking about Paul McCartney and Elliott Smith, although those are two <laughs> of my favorite songwriters. So it's, it makes okay. sense. And yeah. also, can I just pause and say the way you describe our music and uh, can you be my publicist or write my bio at least? <laughs> do, do, <laughs> do you know, Dustin, that that's the second time you said that to me? Um, when I when I so I met you outside of a party in 2015 was it, or outside of a show. That you was played. it that house show in San Francisco? It was. Yeah, that it was like, in San Jose. Oh, in San Jose at Trash yeah. House, probably. Anyways, go it, on. Was it doesn't matter. Trash House. No, no, it, it was the the. Um, and I talked oh, about this. I remember this. The- I remember this. You were with Chuff and Russell was there. I, was yep, I totally remember. We were outside <laughs> in the dark. I remember this. All right. Sorry. Go yep, on. We were outside in the dark. I had, um, I had moved to San Francisco. I had been there for like a year. I didn't know a single person there. Chuff became one of my early friends and she introduced me to your music. And then one time was like, and they're going to play San Jose. If you want to come, like I'll take you to the show. And I was fucking stoked because I was already a huge fan and when, when we went outside after the uh, show, we were in the backyard and uh, I was telling you what I liked about your music. And you were like, dude, could you be my like uh, my publicist or whatever? You said the exact same thing. Which is funny because that just means I've been searching for a publicist in my life since 2015. <laughs> well, I, I've been looking for a publicist role since 2015. So maybe it's uh, maybe it's finally going to converge and come together. And uh, that was... I mean that was a cool moment, and it's cool that that came back. But 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 seriously though, like with the song, like uh, you and this lighting, like what, where did that song come from? I mean, like when you're writing these new tracks for the album, like where where, where are you pulling this from this day and age? I, I kind of get a sense of where you were at ten years ago, and I do want to come back to the middle of your career. But like with this latest one, what are you drawing? Where are you drawing from? Like why did you write this album? Right. Um, well, to speak to you and this lighting, which I think kind of sets a precedent for the album a little bit as far as themes. Um, Mm -hmm. that song is definitely in some ways like the first love song I ever wrote, but in classic Walter fashion, it's kind of like a, there's always like some, uh, you know, introspective, dark twist to it in some ways. And that, that song is totally like falling in love again, like a love after love song where you're kind of jaded and older and you're not really, you're not really impressed by the the shiny rose colored glasses you wear when you're first falling in love, you know, when you're young, it's more of like falling in love again when you're older and being aware of these honeymoon phase feelings or whatever. And, you know, and just, and kind of being (laughs) like, am I allowing myself to feel this way? Or like, it's just a weird, like meta falling in love. And then ultimately being like, well, if it feels right, then it is right. You know, like, why would you hold back from something that is so good? And then allowing yourself to open up and be vulnerable and whatever, fall in love yeah, is um, kind of corny <laughs> as all that sounds. But you know what I mean? So that's kind of what the, that song's about. And um, expanding on that, the whole album definitely has themes of kind of like it kind of like a revival of life in me in that like for people who don't know our last album was the concept breakup album, quote unquote, Mm. which was all about this uh, breakup of a long relationship I went through a few years ago. 
And this album feels like finding myself again kind of after that. And yeah, both personally and musically, I guess. And so, yeah, the You and This Lighting is the most specific like new love song, but there's kind of a, a new love and a revival of those happy feelings, if you will, <laughs> or, you know, yeah. a new life kind of sprinkled throughout the album. Um, like wildflowers of America and stuff. Again, such a good song. My I, my first thought while hearing that song was like, again, I felt like, and maybe you're not outwardly doing this, but there was a bit of a Beatles influence to it, and I was wondering if I was like, I wonder if Dustin's in his, uh, in a, in a in a Tom Petty phase. Maybe just because wildflowers is in the title of the song, <laughs> but the str- the way it's, the way you strum in the song is kind of like Tom Petty sitting on a rock. You know what I mean? Like I got the same kind of vibes from it, and I thought that was really really cool. Right. I can't say I was explicitly thinking of Tom Petty, but I definitely know that vibe. And that was the vibe I was trying to channel. You know, I think um, over the years, like uh, when you got to like gloom cruise, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then even like the dark comedy uh, performance piece of my life, I there was, I think, a pretty drastic shift in in the sound over those last two. Like it was uh, it was different than your other albums. Both of those albums were standout different sound. Right. And are you saying Definitely. that that's because you were th- those were both you kind of comprehending and dealing with the death of this relationship, and so that's what came out in the music? You kind of decided, like, artistically, this is the direction that I'm I'm just in as a person now. Um, yeah, like I said, I can't I can't say it was so deliberate. Like, because of this is going on in my life, I'm going to make the music sound like this. You know, right, right. Of course, I'm not that well thought through on anything, but um, I think there is some truth to that indirectly for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like, I like I said, I feel like a lot of your music is like kind of like, oh man, like that was shitty, but now I'm reflecting on the good parts of it. And I felt like the previous albums before this latest one that came out were you kind of like, ah oh, man, like everything's kind of shitty and people are moving on and growing up and I don't know where I'm, what direction I'm supposed to go in. Should I go work at Chase Bank? Like, should I keep being myself? Uh, you know, like, and, and I, I felt that sort of like, I like felt the tumultuous, tumultuousness of the, uh, of the time and place in those albums. Whereas this one, I do feel the sense of like, it's a revival. Things are, things are back on track. There's a rebirth. It's like a springy album. <laughs> it's very springy. Like that's part of the reason I wanted to release it in the spring is because it feels very springy to me. Um, but that's really, yeah, that's my own personal thing, but you're totally right in that. And maybe I I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, Gloom Cruise is totally like a um, a mid-20s slump where like the freshness mm-hmm. and excitingness and like the grandiosity of your of your early 20s and youth is kind of like starting to ripen and rot, if you will. You know, it's kind of like going yeah. over the hump. And there's a lot of themes in that of like a really close friend of mine was going through some pretty gnarly addiction issues and like just seeing everyone around me kind of like like that song Petunia Your Home, just like traveling around and like doing all these things to like find themselves and kind of people just having these mid-20s existential crises, you know? And dark comedy is mm-hmm. a very similar mid-20s slump, but it's more of the relationship side, you know, of a relationship that's like over over the bell curve of its um, youthfulness or whatever, bright and shininess, and then just starting to rotten and turn bad. And um, not that those are bad albums whatsoever, but yeah, they reflect kind of a mid-20s slump, at least in me. I mean, life's always been good, but you know what I mean? I think it's universal what you were 
expressing about the mid twenties thing, like the, the the sense of the rot. Like you kind of, like, I mean, we go through that too. I did too here on, on my side. It's like you look around, you're like, dude, like some of my friends are just completely drug addicts. Some of them just literally have just disappeared off the face of the earth. You know what what's happening? I think everybody kind of goes through that. And that for me, when that album came out, I was like, man, I I'm going through this too. I was really able to connect with it. And yeah. now, like you said, with the rebirth, with the spring, with the new album, with there there. Uh, now that I'm kind of in my 30s and settled and we've moved on, you, again, it's very reflective of, like, I think the 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 time, the place, and the age that you're at in life. Dang. It comes across. I mean, <laughs> this is funny because you're really helping me understand myself and my own artistic <laughs> arc right now. I'm, it's, I'm really having some revelations. <laughs> but, yeah, there there is totally... Um, also, the lyrics are so much more about the world and concepts and not so mm-hmm. much about, like, oh, I'm feeling sad today. You know, they're not so... Right internal it's a a lot more looking at other things and other people and ideas and and playing with them of course yeah. there's still some melodramatic walter stuff in there <laughs> there always will be but there, like uh like your your single the uh ubi mm-hmm. ubi right right yeah Just came um, out. that that one to me is like what i love the most about walter it's uh it just makes me feel like driving down a highway somewhere in california thinking about shit <laughs> <laughs> and, it gets, and it's like you know what i mean and I when it's that. all right like <laughs> and it's all right because that's like the because <laughs> you can still whistle yeah. along so it must be all right <laughs> exactly it's like you you know it's like like i said it's like things are shitty but it's all right i'm driving i'm thinking about it and i'm humming along and it's all good i think that that one to me that's like the, the crux of like the overall thread of your, your sound and i think that uh that comes across in that single uh, pretty clearly. And like, and like I said, on a, on a first or I listened to it probably like six or seven times, the album entirely. Dang. I thought it was, um, I thought it was fabulous. Well, thank you, you. Know, for take it for what it's worth. But as a, as a fan, I, I thought it was like some of the best ones in years. Not that I didn't like all the other ones that have come out over the years. Yeah. Even the EP, uh, Chaparral, if I'm saying that right, right. right. You I know, all the it, releases, <laughs> dude, I told you I'm a huge fan. That's man. awesome. Um, that that they were all great, but this one, um, it really was like just it's it's like a, a banger of an album in a sense. It's like you got every all the great stuff that you've done over the years kind of converged on this one, and it's really cool. Hell yeah! And um, I will say too that for this album, I definitely like our previous albums. Didn't really care if the genre and style went all over the place, you know. And I was down yeah. to have, um, especially dark comedy. One of those albums where it's like you can't say what genre this is or anything you know it's like there's an acoustic song there's like a sludgy slow song and for there there we as a band definitely like wanted an album where like i want this vibe and so you put on this album for that vibe and like the songs all kind of stay <laughs> within a certain range of vibe i guess yeah um the, for sure it, i mean it certainly puts you on that vibe i think uh obviously i mean completely it's, it's, it's your music and that makes a ton of sense i i think the only vibe that if i had to say and I'm curious your thoughts on this. That's an outlier of the overall vibe on the new album is uh, the Seasick Shepherd song. Um, while it's still in line with the, I think what overall with the feel of the album, I, I felt like that one was again, not to like say like, Oh, like you're inspired by these certain people. It's just a guess, but it's like, it had sort of a Decemberist drinking song, kind of like Irish folk song, late, 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 late night of the bar kind of feel. you like, it's the kind of thing you'd listen to at the end of the night. Dang. And you're again, it's got that positive thing. Like, it's like, yeah, whatever, man. It's all right. I'm going to sing this and go to bed. Um, but just like the style of the construction of that song in general, I think uh, is a standout in that it was different than other songs I think you've written in general. And it, it felt like a like an Irish drinking song, but a Walter song. That makes sense because it is the verses are in a minor key and the 
electric guitar <laughs> is more of like a noise guitar than a whatever a happy chippy chipper guitar you're you're yeah. not wrong that that is the farthest outlier of the album for sure and i love the idea of a great, end of the night irish drinking song <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like it's like I, that it's the type of song that like uh you get home and the night's over you put it on and like you, that's the last thing that you those last final thoughts that go through your head at the end of a crazy night it's like that song whatever those are to you it's probably personal and then you go to bed i like you know that I mean? and that's when <laughs> and it's still kind of spinning when you wake up right right you're still kind of spinning you're maybe a little <laughs> nauseous or seasick from your night of drinking yeah. you are the seasick sea shepherd i like that <laughs> dude exactly um but all right, well, going back in time a little bit, like I, I do, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know if this is like a thing you get all the time, like I don't know, but uh, you know, well, soon when you guys were still Walter Midian's Makeshift Orchestra, um, is my favorite of all of your albums actually. But we'll see how this new one competes because I really, I really was pretty blown away by the new one. But um, that one to me was like just a standout in like um, in songwriting, just like uh, amazing, like I, I really, really felt. It's, it seemed like you really, really pulled that one out of the depths of, of who you are as a person. Damn. Like, I, I felt like that was, like, you really putting your heart on the page with that one. Not that you don't always do that. And like you said, you don't plan necessarily how you're going to write. Like, I understand it just comes out of you. You're an artist. But do you feel like that one, like, where did that album come from? Like, when, like when you first started putting pen to page, you know what I mean? What was I'm just curious. What was going on with you at that time? Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, it's a interesting concept too, because, um, cause you're right. That album does have a certain weight to it that other albums don't or mm -hmm. a certain quality to it, um, that I totally agree with and recognize. And I don't, I wouldn't say it's better or worse, but I can see why it resonates so much in right or so often, I guess. Well, not so much. Let's be honest. Not that many people have heard it, but um, <laughs> I, I, it's it's it's. I've listened to that album over and over again for years of my life. It's like one of my favorite albums. I love that. That makes me so happy. I'm glad. <laughs> like that album. Like when I was alone, didn't know anybody in California. I that was the the primary album I would drive around San Francisco listening to and just think about California. Wow. It made me. It made me. It made me understand Northern California life wow you know i it connected me to the landscape i love that maybe that's what yeah, <laughs> yeah. i love that it connected you to the landscape <laughs> of the west <laughs> it did because it's a very it's a very california to me it's like a very california sound whatever that is mm -hmm. um and and i don't know it's like you said it's it's not that it's better or worse than any of the other albums it it read it just it's just heavy it's just deep it's like it doesn't rain in northern california ever and then it does and like it's really serious while it's happening and then it goes back to being nice california weather mm -hmm. that's what that album was like it was like it was like the rainstorm and then the, and then the clouds lifting afterwards wow in that that one day uh, andrew i think you <laughs> should be writing the lyrics here wow <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't have these thoughts without your amazing work man but i, I but like I, how, where did that I, I where did it come from right. what was go am i on the mark like what was happening um yeah so specifically what was going on that that album talks about is one, we were all, myself, but like the guys, like Chris, Jake, and Milk is who's on that album. Uh, yeah. Everyone was just finishing college and entering that, like, you know, going into the real world or real adulthood for the first time of just like, okay, what the F are we doing? Or you know what I mean? What is life actually yeah. about now that I don't have these markers that I just go get to the next ring on the ladder? Once you just... You know, you graduate and you're just, that's the post-graduation oblivion mindset of kind of like, how do we fill this void, yeah. you know? And 
I was also um, philosophically really interested in the concept of postmodernism at the time, which is a lot, and also like uh, some Eastern religion stuff, like Buddhism and Taoism, which I'm yeah. not an expert. I'm not going to pretend like I'm, I know anything about this stuff, but at that time I was really hyped on those concepts. And so I was kind of channeling these ideas of the void and life being inherently meaningless. Um, and then accepting that and then thinking, okay, so what are you going to do about it? You know, which is kind of the lyric, like paint meaning on the meaningless. Um, Mm -hmm. so those were kind of like the, the life situation I was in and the, the, whatever, the more intellectual, um, uh, stuff I was interested in. But then Chris's mom had just passed away from cancer too while we were writing that album or while I was writing the songs. So there's a lot of stuff about death and like the passing on and of someone close to you. So I think all those three kind of came together in, into a nice little cocktail that um, it still gives a nice feeling when you sip on it, you know? (laughs) See, you write about your own music pretty well. That was that was a poetic way to describe <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> That's the coffee talking. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and you know, and just a note about that album. Uh, you know, f- I think of my all-time favorite Walter etc. song is uh, "Full Body Yawn." Um, you know, I mean, you probably know as a musician, obviously, like you ever like because I play guitar too. I'm not like you though. I I just a hobby, and but I love it. And uh, you ever like hear a song? by someone that you love and you're like i gotta play guitar right now or i gotta like know how to play this song like I, i'm bugging definitely you know what I mean? yeah oh yeah <laughs> that was full body yawn that was like the only song i used to like sit in my apartment covering it because i was like this is it's, it, i felt so connected to it it's like one of those songs that it's it's, it's a truly remarkable uh acoustic reflective deep song and uh i always thought it was a stand i love that well thank you thank you <laughs> Yeah, yeah, moves you to action. But uh, if we could just uh, back up a little bit, I mean, we've been talking about the albums and stuff, and I could talk about this all day. But I'm just curious, like you as a person, uh, when did this start for you? Like, when did you? Were you all, like? It seems my perception of you is that you like got out of high school and were like, I'm just gonna be a rock. I'm gonna be doing this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm about. <laughs> this is it. I'm done. Has that been the trajectory, or like, you know, when did it? When did it start? Um. You're not so wrong, but yeah, I was in actually the same guys, Chris, Chris is the drummer, the bald guy and Jake, who's the, he plays bass most often with us. The three of us grew up together and we've been friends since like first grade kindergarten. And in like fifth grade is when we became like fourth, fifth grade obsessed with like Green Day and Blink-182. And so it was honestly just since fourth or fifth grade. We, we learned how to play guitar. I learned how to play bass. The three of us started our own little punk band in fifth, sixth grade. And that band played through till like junior year of high school. And then we, for whatever dumb high school reasons, just kind of like stopped playing as much. And then that's when I started the Walter thing. Cause I was like, I didn't sing in that original band. Jake did. And, um, and yeah. I was like, well, I still want to write songs. I still want to play music. So, and at that time I was really into like folk punk music, like, AJJ in Defiance, Ohio. And so I was just like, okay, nice. I'm going to start this thing called Walter Mitty. And then, so it, it's been kind of like an ongoing, with the same group of guys, an ongoing passion project, I guess, since like fifth grade. I mean, that's like amazing though, that you've all been able to at least like take the journey together too, like as, as a group of dudes. Cause you know, so like there's so much, 
it seems like over time people usually drop off and uh it, it just seems like like again with your albums it's always like a reunion of sound it's like you guys are still you guys are still together even though you're maybe in different places mentally in life uh you're still you're still working together and it's it's like it was meant to be you know it's like the the archetypes of people that dr- gravitate towards you in life i feel like that you've really got that center with this with this group of people you create music with you know yeah no it's definitely something i'm super grateful for and i have recognized especially as time goes on that it's really special to not only still be friends with your best friends from kindergarten but also to be like continually making this art project and evolving it as time goes on and it's you know yeah. Chris and Jake, Chris has been on every album, but in general, all the boys kind of come and go depending on who's living where and whatnot, you know, but in the big picture, it's been the same crew the whole time, which is pretty special. Previous to the pandemic, you were always on the, you were a road guy, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, Pretty much we're pretty, we can't say we're the biggest road band because there's bands who do it like nine months out of the year, but we were pretty solidly on the road up until 2017, 2018, and then that's just kind of when it hit a point of like everyone's starting to get jobs except for me. And like, I'm like, am I really going to rebuild the band again and find new friends who want to join, you know? And I was just like, I don't really want to go do a full us DIY tour. You know, our band was never yeah. big enough to get like comfortable tours where we are like, you know, can afford hotels yeah. and stuff every night. So it kind of hit yeah. that point. And then, so 2019 we said, screw it and we just played local shows on the west coast um just when we wanted to and where we wanted to and the shows were the best shows it was crazy it's like our whole past (laughs) started to catch up to us and all of these shows were bangers and we were having so much fun and there was no pressure and then and it was like cool let's be this band now and then 2020 hit and it's like oh psych we're not playing any shows (laughs) Uh, so yeah the good thing about that is we all went through that whatever shows are to anybody listening we all went through that one together yeah, that's true exactly uh, that's 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 shitty though because uh, <laughs> it sounds like you guys are and you know like i said having been to one of like i mean it was i guess it was a long time ago now but that that show six years ago i the feeling of it i imagine is what a lot of your shows even those local ones you just described were like where it's like like i grew up in this like again the east coast parallel to i think the way that you grew up similar thing i liked a lot of the same music you just talked about when you were younger um, my friends, I feel like we're kind of similar. I listened to the Gaslight Anthem obsessively. And uh, when, you know, when I went to that party in San Jose, I, like I said, I was homesick and I felt like I was like I was with my people again. I was home because like you just like having a having a cool ass show in a, in a living room. But everybody knew you guys and was going crazy. And then the, the after party that followed. I mean, that's a good life, right? If you could just do that right forever totally (laughs) and it must have been like a renaissance of that to be doing that again locally you know when you guys decided to chill and just just play house parties i mean i i feel like why wouldn't you want to do that every weekend right you know totally and in some places we were like you know getting to the the point where we were headlining like in orange county we were headlining the small venue the constellation room there and like 300 people would come and for us that's like we're rock stars you know what i mean like yeah that was so sick Um, and not that like after <laughs> venues open back up, it's necessarily not going to be like that, but you know, who knows? But for a second there, uh, we had a, a cool little thing going. So how did you, when did you guys start to decide to, I guess you're saying you don't make decisions like that, but like, you know, you're going to make a new album. Um, was that written during 2020, like during the madness of, of what was happening? Did you start to write that album or like, what was the inspiration to get started on that? Um, 
Yeah, like maybe half of it was written during 2020 and inspired yeah. by 2020. But then other songs were pre-2020, like that song Wildflowers gotcha. of America. And pretty much once right. I wrote that song, Wildflowers of America, which is the first song, and um, it's not, it's maybe not the most playable song or the best song, but it's for me, it felt like I hit a new, I don't know, milestone in songwriting or something when I wrote that song. Yeah. I just was really happy with it. And uh, I kind of knew, I was like, okay, this is what I want the next album to be. And at the time I was kind of into like folk rock and more, I don't, I don't know, but just more like, or seventies rock, just more chill, soft acoustic rock. And, um, yeah. And I was just like, this is what I want the album to be. I want it to be an a, acoustic album. Cause I haven't done that in a while and it sounded exciting. And I want it to be, I don't know, just feel like you're laying in the tall grass on a warm spring day or something with, yeah. you know, themes about nature and stuff like that. And so we didn't know it was, what songs would be on it or that it'd be called there, there or anything about how it would come together. But pretty much when I wrote wildflowers of America, which was at the end of 2019 or like mid 2019 is when I was like, okay, this is the next album in some shape or form. Huh? That that's, that must be a nice feeling when you like, when you write a song that you're like, this is going to be, this is where, this is where we're headed. Dude, you know what I that's mean? like, the, <laughs> that's the feeling I keep chasing in my life. Yeah. Is like that excitement <laughs> yeah. of like really liking what you created and like wanting to expand on it is the best feeling. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, for you, like you said, it's, 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 it's still in bloom. Like it's like the, the, to make the comparisons of the landscape, like it's not dead yet. You know, you kind of went through the, the, and I, I just, I, the, the two albums you've put out before on um, this latest one, they're there. I think were fantastic. They were just different than your other ones. Definitely. Um, you got a sense of the, the struggle and the frustration, like, will this continue? Will it regrow? Will there be spring? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Um, and with this album, I think you've really confirmed like, yeah, you, you, you do. And it's, <laughs> I'm so glad that I'm so glad that that happened for you, man. Um, well, thank the, you. talking about like, yeah, no, I mean like the connection to the landscape, like you're, I mean, you literally have a song called forest bathing, not to be like that obvious about no, it. Yeah, on the album, it's on but... the nose. <laughs> <laughs> I was I, I was thinking to myself while I listened to it, like this song literally kind of feels like going into like the deep woods to like, I don't know, think about shit or like sit near a waterfall, but the leaves are kind of covering the sun and you're kind of like thinking about the sound of the trees and the song itself is very trancy. So you're like kind of going in a zone, Dude, you know, you are hitting it on the head, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> that's that's definitely the vibe I wanted in, in forest bathing specifically. It was just like sitting in a forest well that's what forest bathing actually is it's like a japanese therapeutic thing where you just go and right. sit in the forest or in nature quietly and just like it's not even meditate or anything just sit there and that's kind of the vibe yeah. i was trying to capture in that but i think you did that's uh that's kind of like when you're like it's supposed to like cure you of diseases and stuff right, right. Like you like uh connect to the mycelial networks under the ground or whatever something like yeah. that yeah i can't i can't speak to it but i mean i can't even say it's something I've like even that. properly forest bathed but or maybe i have like i don't i don't even know truly what it is but that's classic me is yeah. just like is like taking these cool ideas and then making them my own without actually understanding what they meant in the first place a deeper understanding comes out in the in the in the songs and in the sound right. for sure because like you know it's a deeper understanding when someone like me can connect to it and like also feel the, feel the same vibe you know what i mean like i get it i get what forest bathing is just by listening to that's the song, true you know you're right I mean? the proof is in the pudding there so you called the album there there 
uh, and what was the what was the thinking behind that? Because to me, there's a Radiohead song called "There." <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, and I was just wondering, wh- like, what what was the reason for that? Well, as as you learn when you name something, you think it's like this cool, yeah. unique thing, and then you Google it, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so <laughs> I'm so behind the eight ball on this one." There is a song. The last song on the album is called "There There," and I was writing yeah. the lyrics to it, and um, these lyrics actually, I don't think made the song but the first lyrics of that song were uh the first signs of fall are subtle but they're there like t-h-e-y apostrophe r-e but then Uh, um for some reason i just really liked that line even though i ended up tweaking it but um they're there so i was like oh they're there and what if i called the song they're there but it was e-r-e e-r-e and uh that was it and then that song almost wasn't even on the album. We didn't even record it in Big Bear. We all went and recorded this album in the woods. And oh, cool. we didn't even record that song there. I thought the song wasn't that good. I never finished writing it. And then after we came home, I was like, well, I want to try that one there, there song because I, I kind of liked it at the time I was writing it. So I finished writing it, tweaked it around a little bit. And then when I finished it, I was like, well, I'm going to call this song there, there. And then the band was all like, we should call the album there, there. They like really liked it too. And then, so it just kind of came to be, and then there wasn't, you know, I don't know, but then uh, there wasn't a huge reason other than we kind of liked the way it sounded and it fit the vibe of the album. And it uh, obviously there was the song, but of course afterwards, now I have all these like meanings I can come up with now for like why it's called there, there. But, (laughs) (laughs) but the truth is that we kind of just stumbled (laughs) upon it, you know? And there's a yeah, I think that's there's cool. a funny conversation we had about it that I'll tell you about because it relates to our convo is that yeah. <laughs> the the same way well soon came together was these me Chris Jake and Milk and we all lived at my house me and Milk's house in Portland for a month together and recorded this acoustic like wholesome quote unquote album called and called it well soon and then yeah. this summer or summer 2020, we all went to a cabin in Big Bear and it was those same four, me, Chris, Milk, and Jake recording an acoustic album that is quote unquote wholesome as far as like, I don't know, you know, (laughs) some nature themes and stuff. And then when we said, let's call it there, there, we all kind of stopped ourselves and we're like, does it just sound like well soon too? (laughs) Like does the name (laughs) there, there, does it just we just accidentally made well soon too and like didn't even realize it you know (laughs) and so for a while i was kind of against calling the album there there because i was like i can't not think of just it being a a, you know trying to redo well soon or something but then ultimately we're like uh even if people think that that's kind of cool because we all love well soon and that's not yeah you know that's just our own making that up idea right now so i don't know it doesn't really matter either way but i thought it was funny (laughs) It's it's super funny, and I, I and I I don't think that people will think it's well soon too. Um, I I think that that's cool though to me. It's like cool to know that they were kind of created in the same kind of vibe, and and it's interesting that you say that because like I said, well soon to me, I connected me to 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 Northern California. It connected me to the land, um, and I had a lot of those feelings while I while I've listened to it over the years. But like I said, the the new one does something similar, and. Maybe they're cut from the same cloth, like artistically. You know what I mean? Like maybe I, I don't know. You probably know better than me, but like I do feel like Well Soon was like, like you said, this acoustic um, kind of summary of feelings that tied you to this to this landscape. Whereas this new landscape that you're in now, it's just 
this new it's it's just like a different it's a different season of it that that's how i would describe totally it. it's a, it's a different season of the same of the same experience that's yeah. a good way to put it honestly and and sometimes yeah. and maybe you have a good answer for this cuz i don't but sometimes i wonder if that um i don't know what to call it but whatever that uh virtue let's say that well soon has that feels very soul filling or whatever Sometimes I wonder mm-hmm. if it's possible to recreate that out after your youth, if that or if that mm-hmm. soul filling virtue is something that's explicit to youth. Because when you're in your youth, you feel things. You're not like jaded and calloused yet. You feel things to their fullest, you know. And then it's kind yeah. of, it's kind of like once you know what you're feeling, it doesn't feel the same. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I might be going off on an abstract tangent here. No, no. But sometimes I wonder, I'm, I'm and there's a reason why people love bands' early albums so much, including myself. And it's not like yeah. no one's ever made good things when they're like 70. Of of course not. But um, right. I don't, there's something there that like, and I'm not even comparing the two albums, but I because the there there doesn't try to come like well soon ends with anti earth, which like truly tries to come to some spiritual closure or something, you know. And there, yeah, there, it, yeah. it really doesn't try to come to some spiritual closure, at least not in the same way. And so, I don't know. I guess I'm, my question for you is, do you think there's something about art in youth that can't be translated into uh, adulthood, per se? Yeah, but I, I, what I'll say about what you just said is, I think that there's something about art in youth that doesn't translate to adulthood because there's a third component that we're not talking about, which is identity. So it's like art youth and I and your identity in your when you're youth like how you perceive yourself and how you perceive the world I think influences your songwriting or or any creative endeavor that you're doing like I've been doing podcasts since I was 19 you know I've been doing radio shows and stuff They're not, they haven't all been successful um some have done better than others but like obviously I can't reproduce the show that I was doing when I was 19 but people thought it was really funny back then um, you know, yeah, the early Beatles stuff probably is some of the best, better than like, you know, late, <laughs> late George Harrison or something like that. I get that. But at the same time, as if your identity of yourself evolved, because I think where a lot of art- artists fall short is like, they're like, yeah, like, oh, I'll never get that back. Like I, I produced this thing because I was feeling this way and I, and I was this person and now it's being taken away from me by life, by time, by the world, by my perceptions are changing and my identity is changing about myself but i think what you've managed to do with the new album with there there is like you said since it's like a spring there's a new identity there's a rebirth like there's a so i don't think it really clings on to the what you were what you were in well soon it lets it go actually and for me it was like well no now we're this and it has this feeling of like and we're going to be able to continue we made it out like we didn't have to give up i think people get really confused at the end of mid middle of their end of their twenties. And then you start to feel the pressures of like, well, if I can't be what I'm, what I think I am, then what am I? And what mold can I fall into now? Like what, what can I cling to? What can I attach to? But if you, if you're willing, if you have the, the courage and the audacity to go on with, with through life, face your thirties and forties without a mold. If you say, well, I'm just going to see where the, where I go. Like I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a spinning rock and I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, re reimagine myself and my creativity. Then I think that, you've transitioned really well into the next phase. So that's, that's how I would say that. Yeah. There's something to the early, the, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm young and hungry and crazy. And like, is that replicable? No, it's not. But that doesn't mean that you can't make something just as good. That's just not the same. Right. You, know? you totally hit the yeah. nail on the head for me there. Exactly. Yeah. 
cool. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm glad that was a. Uh, when I was like, when you were asking me the question, I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to respond to this. But like, what came out feels good to yeah, me. Too. No, you, you like, kind yeah, of completed my thought there. Yeah, that's exactly how I would have <laughs> answered my own question there. And I'm so glad you made it, man. Like, I really am, because I, I was, uh, I was wondering during the last couple albums, like, I was like, man, I really like this music, but I don't know if this guy's going to keep going. It's like I don't, I don't know what, where it's going to. Dude, head. I've gotten that because a, a lot, lot of your music sounded. A- it's it's funny after um, our last album, especially dark comedy. People ha- are legitimately like I've seen things written about me uh, that are like, <laughs> what did someone say? Like I'm worried about him. I'm, wor- I'm I just hope we get another <laughs> album out of him. Like yeah. I was like, dude, I'm not like. I mean, I understand some <laughs> of my lyrics can be alarming and stuff, but. Um, well, it's not like I was like this guy's. It's not like I was worried about your mental health or like you're depressed or something. It's it's more like. Yeah, I, there was an undertone in the album of like life is telling me life is going in all different directions. And like, can we like you said, can I reinvent this band again? Can I keep doing totally. this? You know what I mean? And, and the lyrics um, on the last album are, are literally talking about that. <laughs> so, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, quite literally it's, talking about it. We're that. not yeah. making this up. That's <laughs> actually what I said. <laughs> no, I know. And so I questioned. I was like, man, I wonder like I, I wonder where this is all headed. And like I said, this latest album i think is the answer to that question like it's like no we're we're here we're back um we've reinvented our sound and and we're taking walter etc to the next level because it's not um it's not just like you said it's not the acoustic like it's not just the alternative indie style it's not just the kazoo there's a new more sophisticated and complex element to it like in the song in the in the music the musicianship of it itself um, cause you, I think you're a great lyricist and an awesome, you write great lyrics. Obviously you're probably could be just a great poet if you didn't play guitar. Um, but, uh, I do think like you've always been able to create really, really good, um, like landscapes within your lyrics, but the music I think is elevated to a new, like a new, just a, a intricate level of songwriting, which I think shows that you're in, you're older now and that like now it's time to just, you know, there's, there's aspects of the details of the song that might, you might care about more as an older person. It's like wine. It's getting more sophisticated with Dang, it. Um, <laughs> that's cool that makes me feel cool but it's true a little bit yeah. in that like you know there's some alternative tunings and key, and key yeah. changes and like some more music theory tricks and whatever too uh, that i never would have yeah. even understood the concept of 10 years ago <laughs> right right because i would imagine like when you're young you're a young songwriter you know a song comes out you write a you write a really good song like like 101 north like when you wrote you must have been like yes I wrote a fucking a song like I, you know, everybody has to hear it. Now, you know what I mean? Like, this is great. Um, but you I mean, as you get older, you start you stop. I think you stop questioning, like, can I write music? Like, am I even supposed to be doing this? And it becomes more about refining the craft, which I think you can show that you are doing, very true. You know? Very true. Do you feel that now that you're kind of getting into the craft work of the song? I, I do feel that you're totally right in that. And yeah. And you can play with the craft, too, because just as much as there's a song in a strange tuning with a key change on this album, the, the wildflower song, the first song is literally two chords for like five minutes, <laughs> you know? So there's, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, there is a, a sneaky third chord in there, I should say, but there's, yeah, there's ultra, uh, a, cheek, a cheeky chord, <laughs> ultra minimalist songwriting and then more like expanding on the palette songwriting. So I think you're right about yeah. refining the craft is not just me, but the whole band is we're definitely, having fun with that and going into that. Yeah. I mean, dude, it must be, I mean, it must be so much fun to go deep in the woods and do nothing but produce these albums. Right. Like, uh, is how, I'm, how is this? Like, if you don't mind me asking, like, I, I know we're, we've been talking for a bit, but like, 
what what is that setup like exactly like when you say because a few times on the podcast and i've wanted to ask you this you've said yeah like you know so we went back in the woods laid this out. like what is what does that mean <laughs> like what does that mean exactly what does that look like <laughs> um so my my mom's side of the family has a condo in big bear in or like okay. a townhome in the parking lot of one of the ski resorts there snow summit so nice. basically it looks like the band takes the van with a ton of music gear to this townhome parking lot, parks, spends like four hours loading everything in to the cabin. Yeah. And then in the, there's like a kind of like a little ski, like downstairs room um, or whatever. It's just like a little gear room. And in right. that room, I like set up the desk with the computer and we moved all the gear in there and we basically built it a little studio in that room and spent a few weeks just in that room re- recording these songs that had already been written as far as vocals and guitar, but uh, all the other stuff, we kind of added bass, wrote bass lines and harmonies and stuff like that. And mm. in the downtime when someone wasn't in there, we were, it was almost like a health and wellness retreat. We were like, some like Jake was doing like ab workouts outside. It was hot last summer and it was COVID. So there was, you, we couldn't go anywhere except for in the cabin yeah. or in the woods. And luckily there's a little trail that, that is right outside the back door that kind of goes off and wanders into the hills above town. And so we would, everyone was going for runs. I was taking like the bike on the trail. It was pretty fun. And then we'd do some hikes and just walk out into the woods and just sit there. Um, so that's, that's what it literally looked like. That's really cool. I mean, uh, it sounds like the, it sounds like the type of thing where you kind of leave and you're all like uh, rekindled best friends with new inside jokes and new <laughs> stuff. And, you know what Definitely I mean? some like, summer camp <laughs> vibes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 That, and, and that's always I just like I love that kind of space where it's so rare. I feel like as you get older and I, I, I really connect with what you're saying, because it's like it's so rare when you get older where for people to take the space to just like be with the people closest to you to do something creative like to do something like to really just like we're here just to do this and like you know and like we'll exercise and we'll go for our own bikes and we'll run and we'll be but like really at the end of the day it's all in service of this this like mission that, that we're here to accomplish you know what i mean totally um and like what a what a what a fucking free feel like that's just the freedom that's, man, to me at least no i totally <laughs> agree that is the life i want to be able to live at least you know not like have to do that all the time but have opportunities to do that and um, yeah. I, I wish everyone could have opportunities like that, you know? And the the main reason we were able to do that was because of COVID and all the boys were working from their laptops. So like at the time, Chris yeah. was a tutor and he would just go into the other room and he'd be like tutoring five hours a day or whatever. But he was able to do it because he was working remotely at the time. And same with Jake, he was working remotely. So it was a very unique situation that we couldn't really replicate uh well, maybe we could because people still work from home. But, you know, outside of the weird COVID times, we probably wouldn't have been able to do it. Uh, it would have just been me yeah. alone there. So it's really <laughs> it was really cool and special yeah. that we got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, you know, with COVID, I think for a lot of us, like it, it kind of sent us into the woods in some ways. Like, it, of course, it reminded you of what's, you know, it it, it made you realize that like, at least for me, like the benefit, if you like, I know a lot of negative stuff happened in the past year, but like if you, you take away a positive from it, it's like exactly what you're describing. Like 
we realize that we can make time like we should make like we absolutely should make time to do these things now it's it seems insane not to right like you like you're like dude we did this how could we not be doing right this? right yeah like <laughs> totally and i should preface that um I mean, I kind of sound like a selfish asshole if I say like, yeah, COVID was sick. We all got to go to the woods and make an album. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I know you're not, but I, I don't I'm, want anyone to I'm misunderstand COVID- me here. There was a lot of terrible <laughs> yeah, things yeah, that yeah. happened and the silver lining was, you know, right. some boys got to make an album. And so, and I, you know, some guy got to make a podcast because like, uh, you know, even this I started doing, if, for me, it was a silver lining of, of being alone all the time. You know, I didn't see anybody for the first like three or four months of COVID. I was totally isolated. Damn. And uh, and I, you know, I do comedy and stuff. I'm on stage with audiences and uh, not being able to do that was I was like, well, what's going to happen now? Will I go nuts? And uh, and I started doing stuff like this. And um, again, there I, I think it's OK to say like, yeah, there is this silver lining in that like there's lessons to take away from everything on the trip, man. You know what I mean? On right. life. And it's like, uh, and uh, some, for me, a major thing was like, there should never be a reason why you, we shouldn't, we shouldn't feel like we have to lose these things. Like there must be space to keep creating. Totally. You know? Totally. And yeah, <laughs> I think people didn't know that there even could be that space before yeah. um, the weird shift in our culture. But now that hopefully yeah. people, yeah, like once people lived a different lifestyle and got to do things like that or whatever, even just getting outside more or spending more time with friends and family, I hope now that once people have had a bite, they don't want to stop taking a bite. You know what I mean? Yeah. I a hundred percent know what you mean. Cause I, I always, I, I always tell people that my biggest takeaway from the whole year of 2020 was that nothing really in life ever has to change except the way you look at things. And then everything changes. Like perception is everything. So it's like, it's not that the space wasn't there. You just like wouldn't op- weren't able to see it. Couldn't notice it. You know what I mean? Walked past it. Very true. You know, and it's like, and, and this shown a light, like it's, it's already there. That's man. so true. Like, just yeah. Go for it. Yeah, you can you can go for a walk every day. It doesn't just have to be a yeah. pandemic where there's nothing else to do, you know? <laughs> right, 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 right. Like the opportunities are there. And uh, that really was, a, it's such a simple and elementary thing, but it was a huge powerful takeaway, at least for me. Like, you know, like all the things that make me happy, like they're, they're around. Like I don't have to keep searching. I just have to like be open to mm-hmm. it, you know? It's so true. Um, and like I said, like the reason I had even asked those questions in the first place, because I do feel like the album, the new album, the They're There album, ties a lot of this thinking together. Like you, it seems like you came out on the other side all right. You produced this really unique and interesting album, and it's and uh, and it's it's very positive, and like it's like we're back. Hell yeah! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you. I'm yeah, just glad man. you say this. Now I have my whole new like perspective on the album. Like you've changed the way I think about my own album now. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. <laughs> I'm stoked about it, though. I mean, like, like I said, man, it's it's great work, and uh, I I don't really have a you know I don't want to use up too much of your time. That that was kind of the 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 most of the interview. But I I just again want to say that like I'm glad that you're still out here and you're still doing it. Um, I'm I hope I get to see you on tour and things open up and become. If you decide to stop doing the local stuff, come out to New York. Uh, I would gladly help you organize a Hell show. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm just a huge fan of your work. I really admire the band and you and, um, just love the new album and I'm stoked to see where you go next, man. Well, thank you, Andrew. I appreciate <laughs> it. I'm a big fan of you now and I admire you as well. So <laughs> I'm going to give man. you the uh, login to my Spotify for artists and you could just, you could just, the bio's right <laughs> yeah. there. It's pretty easy to find. Just, yeah. just whatever comes to mind. I'll, I'll- I'll I'll write up something and I'll send it to you after the show and then if you want to use it you can use it and then if not not you know what I mean it's all okay, good. Okay, sick. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but hey, man, I really appreciate you coming on the Real People Podcast, and uh, best of luck with the new album. And everything Thank like you. Thank you. All right, folks, that's my interview with Dustin Cole Hayes from the band Walter, etc. Check out their new album, They're There, available on Spotify and everywhere this Friday.